Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhat. I am the lead pastor of St. John's Church and School in Denver, Colorado, right across the street from Wash Park. And in this podcast, what we do is we consider what it looks like to follow Jesus. We consider what it looks like uh, to be committed to a Christ-centered worldview and operate with that as our lifestyle. This podcast is for you if you are seeking what that might look like or if you have already committed your life to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhat. I'm here with special guest AJ Vega. Hey, how's it going? Glad to have you on the show today. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, AJ is the Director of Discipleship and Outreach for St. John's Renewal here in Denver, and so we're excited to have him back on the show. And if you like what you're listening to today, we want to invite you to subscribe or follow, and uh, we are grateful for you following us, listening to uh, this podcast. Yeah. The question that we have for today is timely. What the heck is Lent, AJ? Yeah, Lent, yeah. Uh, Lent, it is um, a very uh, churchy word, and I think it's something that I think is, you know, important for us as Christians to reflect on and use. It's not um, like they don't have the word Lent in the Bible, but it is something that a lot of churches do practice, and other churches don't as well. Um, But it's a time for uh, reflection and mourning and laments and um, repentance as well as we um, get to a time that leads up to... Uh, the resurrection of Jesus, which is on Easter Sunday. And so Lent usually occurs over a time span of about eight weeks or so, seven or eight weeks, um, which is about 40 days, not including Sundays. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about why we don't include Sundays um, in the season of Lent. Um, But yeah, it's a a time of repentance, reflection, as you think about um, the the journey to the cross and to the empty tomb as well. You mentioned mourning, and lament. Yeah. So when I think of, I think our listeners, when I think of the word mourning, yeah. they probably think of mourning the loss of a loved one. Yeah. Uh, so can you explain a little bit more? What do you mean by mourning and yeah. lament? Lament's a very churchy word too. It is, yeah, you're right. It is a very churchy word. Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to um, a, a sense of mourning and laments, there is a, when we look at the world around us, when we see the brokenness around us, you know, sometimes we can just take a look at it and see like when there's war or famine or um, just hardships or homelessness or, um, you know, trafficking among kids. Um, There's a deep sense of like, why is this happening in our world? There's a deep longing for things that are wrong to be made right. And I think when it comes to this idea of lamenting, it is a crying out for justice is a crying out for things that are not wrong or that are not right to be made right again. And, you know, I think that's something that all of us experience in this life um, because we do mourn and we do lament when it comes to uh, the death of a loved one, as we remember the people that have gone before us, um, the relationships and the things that we have. But it's also a reality of like, there is like death is not something that um, comes natural to us. And that's a hard thing for us to be able to to see and to witness and be a part of, um, and and we yearn for something to be made right when something is not right. And so, really, when I talk about the idea of lamenting and mourning, it's it's a process by which you are you are taking the things that are wrong and unjust and and not right in hopes that one day they will be made right again. 
That is awesome. How would you tie that into repentance of yeah. our own sin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think of um, this scripture passage from Joel 2, 13, and it's this crying out for saying, you know, rend your hearts, not your garments. And uh, this idea of rend is like a tearing, like a ripping off of, and... Um, a lot of the practice for the Israelite people, whenever they experienced something that was wrong, whether it was sin or brokenness, um, they would typically rip off like their shirts or they tear their fabrics um, that was on them. And, and the call is to to tear, allow our hearts to be torn, right? And so whenever we look at the brokenness of the world around us, we also realize that there's brokenness and something that's not right within our own hearts as well. And when we realize that, whether it's in our relationships with other people, whether it's in our relationships with God, um, there's a realization of we yearn for that to be made right. We yearn for that relationship to be turned into a right relationship once again. And oftentimes, um, it could be the things that are around us that affect that, but it's also the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, whether it's in our thoughts, our words, our actions, our inactions. And so when we talk about this idea, this word of repentance, it's really talking about there is something that's not right in my own heart that needs to be changed. And I want my heart to break for whatever breaks God's heart as well. And so I want to be able to live a life that that reflects that, that, that wholeness of what God wants for us in our relationships with him and with other people as well. And so repentance is really a yearning for whatever's wrong in our hearts to be made right again. And it's us crying out saying, this is actually not right in our own lives. So how would you go about figuring out, like, what it, what is that? You know, like, how would yeah. a follower of Christ look into themselves and say, you know, what, what, what do I need to make right here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, going to the scriptures as a Christian, I think is really a helpful uh, tool for us, right? Um, I oftentimes think of uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes and also just the teachings of Jesus specifically. You know, as we talk about what it means to be a Christian, it's it's following after Jesus. So we follow the pattern of what he did. And oftentimes when I look at my own life and when I look at scripture specifically in the life of Jesus, there are things that he does that I'm like, man, I do not do that well at all. And so I have to go into a point of repentance and say, there's something wrong in my heart where I'm dissatisfied. And um, I love, there's a quote from John Piper, and uh, it says, sin is what you do when your heart is not satisfied with God. Wow. And you're like, wow, like, man, are there moments in my life where I'm not satisfied with the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus um, that makes me want to do my own inclination to go against what God's word says. And when I look at the scriptures and when I look at Jesus, he's the ultimate image of, of this true man of what it means to be human. And I don't always follow that pattern. And so it causes me to go into repentance. So beautiful. So AJ, you mentioned that Lent's not in the Bible. Uh, Obviously, it was instituted at some point in the Christian church. When was it instituted, and (laughs) why do you think they thought they needed to institute it? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think, you know, some of the earliest dates go back to, like, 325 AD with the Council of Nicaea, and I think it was a time for them to be able to take a look at the 40 days leading up to Easter and then seeing a correlation between... Um, you know, for a time after Jesus was baptized and received the Holy Spirit, um, he actually goes into the wilderness and is tempted for 40 days, and he, he 
he eats nothing, right? He fasts for 40 days. And so Lent is a reflection of those 40 days that Jesus fasts for those 40 days in the wilderness. And, um, you know, oftentimes a lot of people will say, well, he was tempted, like he was at his weakest point in his time um, in, in the wilderness. And, you know, I would actually argue that a time of fasting actually strengthens in your relationship with God. It actually strengthens um, your dependency on God because you have nothing else that you're, that you're holding on to. You're actually letting go of the things that you were once holding on to and grasping onto the one who actually held you first, right? And so, um, you know, Jesus was tempted um, in, those, in that wilderness for 40 days and he overcame those temptations. And so, over time, I think, you know, probably the Catholic Church and eventually evolved into other churches that spread out from the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, um, began to institute this season of Lent as a time of reflection and mourning and lamenting in hopes for the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Okay. And so um, it sounds like you have fasted before. I have, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you, you love a good meal, and I do too. <laughs> So you could tell, you could tell. Well, you know, we, we've had dinner together, you know, so we both love a good meal. It's hard to fast. Yeah. Very hard. And I would, I would imagine that many of our viewers don't fast. Sure. I could be wrong. So I guess my question would be, how could we make it a spiritual practice and not just a miserable diet? Mm, Yeah, that's very, that's a really good point. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is to, um, you never start with where you're wanting to go. You always start with where you're at. And so if it's a struggle for you to say, I'm going to set aside food for um, a whole day, you start off with that. If it's, hey, I'm going to skip a meal and instead use this time to invest in my relationship with God, to read scripture, to pray, when I have those um, hunger pangs, being able to go to my father and have my dependency on him. Because Jesus says, man doesn't live on bread alone, but everywhere that comes from the mouth of God. And so um, it's really, the fasting is a, a time for us to have deep dependency on God and his word. And so my biggest thing for people, especially if you're looking at wanting to start fasting, because Jesus, when he talks to the crowds and he's talking to his disciples, he says, when you fast, not if you fast. Um, so it's an expectation in our journey, in our discipleship with Christ. Um, it's an encouragement to say, um, you know, to be able to say, I'm going to set this aside so that I can increase my dependency on who God is. And it's a practice. It's something that you won't be able to do like a whole week or 40 days um, in one sitting on the first time. But maybe it's like, I'm going to skip a meal or I'm going to do 24 hours or whatever that looks like and then be able to celebrate, say, hey, this is what God did in the midst of that. Um, one of the things I really like to do is journal while I'm fasting so I can just kind of write out what my thoughts are as I'm thinking, write out my dependency of God and uh, to be able to go back and say, wow, look what God did in the midst of that. So, There's something really special about fasting and reading scripture. Mm-hmm. I believe that scripture speaks to you in a fresh way when we're fasting. Sure. I did a water-only fast for seven days. Okay. There's no way I could ever do 40. <laughs> On day eight, I rushed to Phoenician Kebab Restaurant Ooh, in North yeah. East Denver. So that tells you how uh, hungry I was. Um, but I do remember the scripture speaking in a really fresh way and yeah. insights that I had not yet or that I hadn't previously seen in particular passages. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really great um practice to get into. Um, you see in the scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, that when they have big decisions to make or when they're wanting to put their whole devotion towards God, is that they would fast for a certain amount of time as well. And, and specifically when it comes to Lent, as we were talking about this topic, Lent is not, you know, they 
people from different churches and different backgrounds and stuff, um, most of the time won't just like fully fast for 40 days. Um, but what we see now more culturally is that people will give up one thing like chocolate or, you know, give up, you know, uh, you know, spending a certain amount of money or give up whatever it is, fill in the blank or give up meat. Um, and you start to see that more culturally within our churches too. And, you know, as you know, you can call that a fast, a, a true fast is really just kind of emptying yourself of things. Um, but you know, it's a good practice. If you find yourself depending on that one thing, being able to get into the practice of letting go of that thing that you hold on so closely to increases our dependency on who God is. So, so it sounds like Christians can give up something for Lent, but it, but it also sounds like you're encouraging them to be thoughtful about it. Sure. What is something that is maybe an addiction, maybe something you're really attached to and it's a, an obsession, yeah. or it could be something that is, you know, like uh, causing uh, overeating or whatever. Right. Um, so... Maybe that's more attainable than sure. just a, like a water-only fast. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I think again, like starting where you're at rather than where you want to be is a really good way to start that practice. Um, I know for me, like one of the years I um, gave up uh, social media, and that was a really helpful thing for me because it was something I really put my dependency into. Um, you know, the average American. I think I shared this actually in a sermon um, a while ago. Is that the average American touches their phone like two hundred or sorry two thousand. 700 times like a day like it's insane amount um and we create a dependency on our phones on our devices um on social media whatever that is and so um yeah unfortunately they wouldn't be able to listen to well maybe they would listen to the podcast if they gave up social media because podcasts aren't really a social media thing it's true yeah our podcast is on Apple Podcasts and other platforms so (laughs) shameless uh, plug no need to have social media if you don't want (laughs) Yeah. But again, it's um, a really great way to increase that dependency of God. And, you know, I think one of the things, too, is we can get so far into what you do during Lent rather than what Christ has already done for us for Lent. And I think that's a really helpful thing is that we can try to say, we're going to give up this, 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 this. And then when we fail to do that, we're like, man, I wish I did that. I'm going to completely give it up or I'm just going to completely just binge that thing. Um, But it's really, it's an expectation of knowing that the risen Christ has come to be with us and be present among us and among his people. And the thing that we fail to do, Jesus fully accomplishes perfectly. And that's a really great thing to take joy in. As we repent, as we lament, as we mourn, um, there is a sense of joy that comes in to Lent where it's like, I'm expecting this king who has given up his crown to take on a cross to be risen up three days later and to be king over all of creation all over the world. So it's a great time for joy as well, um, which we don't always think about. So That's beautiful. So... In the light of everything we have said about Lent, obviously it starts with Ash Wednesday. Sure. What on earth is Fat Tuesday, (laughs) and how does that fit into anything the early Christians wanted to do? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, Fat Tuesday, um, which usually... is celebrated like a lot in like New Orleans or a lot of big cities. Um, it's not just New Orleans, it's probably all over the world where it's an opportunity for people to just overindulge all of their like sinful behaviors and inclinations for things, um, whether it's sex, drugs, food, and to get it all out of their system. And then Ash Wednesday comes the next day, which starts the season of Lent. And it's like, okay, I'm going to not do that anymore. 
Um, so it's a very cultural thing, um, not biblical, um, and not even Christian in a sense. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like, I'm just going to store all this up and, and, and just do whatever I want this day. And, uh, and then start Lent the next day. <laughs> what would you say biblically to somebody that wants to sin on Fat Tuesday? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, part of it is uh, it's a human condition for us to satisfy ourselves with what we think feels good, right? Um, like I said earlier, like that quote from John Piper is, you know, sin is what you do when your heart's not satisfied with God. And it's really getting out all of that inclination out, Um and people might think it's like an emptying of the tank so that you can start fresh and start new with Lent. And I would just argue that Paul probably talks about this and and not about specifically Fat Tuesday, but specifically about like, should I continue to sin so that great grace may abound? And he actually says like, absolutely not. He's like, not at all. Um, and he really just encourages us that like, as we receive the grace that's been given to us, that's that's a free gift in Jesus, that we don't use that as a way for us to say, oh, because I'm forgiven, I can go and sin and do whatever I want and get it out of my system. Um, it's actually a way for us to be able to receive new life, right? Uh, as we talk about, we've been buried in Christ in baptism, right? And we've been raised to new life with him. And new life means that we don't go back to what was old. Um, and then also I would say, like, you know, uh, there's a part where Paul talks about everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial, right? Um, we do whatever we want, right? We are free to do whatever we want. Um, but not everything that we want is actually beneficial for ourselves, for our neighbor, for God. And so to just be mindful of what are those things that um, best honors God with your body, with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, this renewal of understanding you have new life as a baptized believer in Jesus, um, yeah, like the first thing that Jesus didn't do coming out of the water was go party, right? He went to the wilderness, like he got away from everything and gave up everything. And even on the cross, he gives up everything for us to be filled with new life in him. So, so there are areas of freedom in the Christian life, but like you said, you quoted from, I believe it's first Corinthians six, mm -hmm. where it says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Yeah. Some tr translations say, all things are lawful, lawful. Mm -hmm. but not all things are helpful. helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, a lot of areas of freedom. We call those neutral matters. Those are things sure. not commanded sure. nor forbidden in Scripture. So they're, you know, it doesn't say if you, you're commanded to wear jeans or khakis right. or whatever, yeah. you're free in Christ. Um, Probably so, Levi's. <laughs> those yeah. are probably yeah, yeah, commanded. Yeah. Right, right. Because that's what I wear every yeah. day. The tribe. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, the priesthood. <laughs> the, priesthood. <laughs> the tribe of Levi. I never, I never heard that one before. I just came up with it. That is good. Um, so I, I like what you said there about areas of freedom, because we, as Christians, I think we can fight about those things, disagree sure. on those things, make them a bigger deal, major in the minors. Yeah. Uh, but we don't. But we don't want to do that. Now, with that said, Lent is a human tradition, sure. but it's been around for. You said 325 A.D., so that's about uh, 1,700 years yeah. in the church, something Christians have been practicing for a long time. Mm -hmm. What would you say to Christians that um, are from a theological tradition that practices Lent, but they don't practice it? What would you say to them? Mm, yeah. You know, if they're part of a tradition that already practices it, but they themselves don't practice it, I mean... What the beautiful thing about it is that as you experience a community of believers in worship on a Sunday, 
um, you are engaging in both Lent and in Easter every Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. As you engage in confession and absolution of your brokenness, of your sin, um, it's a it's a micro moment for us to be able to understand and think back of the things that we've done, said, did, or didn't say, didn't do, and to receive the free gift of forgiveness in Jesus. And so, um, I would just encourage believers to to repent, to honestly like have a moment to actually think about what are the things that I feel like I'm holding on to and grasping. And let go of those things and cling to the cross and to the empty tomb of Jesus. And we have an opportunity to do that every Sunday as we come to worship together. And so that's just my encouragement. I, you know, as far as it being a human tradition, like, you know, are you going to plan to give up something? Maybe not. Maybe you do. Um, maybe you try it and it doesn't work out and you get back on the horse the next week and try to figure that out. Um, that's not what Lent is all about. Lent is in time for us to be able to understand that that Sunday's coming, that Easter is coming, that Jesus has risen from the grave. And so I would just encourage you to engage in moments of repentance, of lamenting, of mourning. And I think part of the reality is that our world already does this, um, but we have no place besides the church to be able to direct it in a way that's actually beneficial for us. And so, you know, as we look at the news, as we look at our phones and new notifications pop up about more wars, more terror, more moral failings around the world, we cling to the one who never failed morally, Jesus Christ himself. And in the midst of our moral failings, he actually takes those on on the cross and dies for us and three days later is risen. And so that would just be my encouragement is that you think about those moments where you are lamenting and mourning and craving for something that's not right to be made right again in hopes that, that Jesus is going to make it right and put your faith in Jesus. So, Very well said as always, AJ. Thank you grateful that you are making the time to be on this show with me. Um, if you uh, were blessed by today's podcast, you'd like to share it with someone else, we want to encourage you to do that. And we love to hear your questions. And so you could submit those to hello at sjdenver.org. Love to hear from you. And we will see you next time. So take care. Bye-bye.